Welcome back to the In The Lead Show. My name is Jennifer Sang, and today I'm going to talk to Rachel Nelson and Kelly Palanti from the Kennedy Global HR Solutions Organization, and we get to talk about psychological safety in the workplace and how that relates to DE&I. And it was a great conversation with Rachel and Kelly, and I am a firm believer that psychological safety is so important in all aspects of our life, but especially in the workplace where we see so much distress and um, uncertainty and things like narcissism and business results. And we're always trying to get to the next thing and drive, drive, drive. But we don't talk about how people are feeling, what people need, how to create a safe space so that people can bring their whole selves to work. We just want to kind of get to the outcome of having this really safe place, but we don't want to do the hard work. So it was a great conversation with Rachel and Kelly. And before we get started, I wanted to give you a little bit of background on both of these lovely young ladies. So Rachel Nelson is a CA. HRI and an SHRMCP and VETS accredited human resources professional with approximately 25 years experience working in various industries in market segments, SME in senior management roles in organizations ranging from startups to large multinational corporations in both uh, Australia, Australia and the United States. Rachel has significant exposure to all HR functions, including HR strategy, performance management, diversity and inclusion, cultural engagement, IRER, mediation, employee counseling, coaching, training course development and facilitation, policy development and implementation, organizational design, recruitment and selection and assessment center facilitation through her roles as the director of Kennedy Global HR Solutions, Director for Foresight Group, APAC, Resource Manager for Teltech International, and Senior Resource Consultant for Fujitsu. Rachel has also developed and delivered training programs for the U.S. military, co-coordinated and run career fairs, and provided career coaching and advice contributing to her being awarded the DOL Vets Higher Platinum Award in 2019 and 2020. Rachel is also an accredited mental health first aid officer. She is a SHRM Hawaii and Illinois member, a member of the Hawaiian Workforce Development Committee, and has published works in the Global Recruiter RCSA Journal and Recruiter International Magazines. Rachel prides herself on delivering meaningful and effective advisory and consulting solutions that align with strategic objectives and add genuine value for her clients. She is passionate about her profession and is actively engaged in continued education, reading, and personal development. Now, I can definitely um, vouch for that. I mean, you'll hear how passionate Rachel is in our conversation on psychological safety, and she brings a lot of wealth and experience to this topic. So it's definitely a pleasure uh, having her on the show. And Kelly is a senior uh, SHRM certified HR professional and serves as a CEO of U.S. operations at Kennedy Global HR. With over 20 years successfully helping SMEs, startups, 
and non-for-profits transform their HR department, she now focuses on meeting the challenges of the 21st century workforce with solutions that include career development, DE&I, and mental health safety. Kelly has engaged leaders in one-on-one as well as group live and virtual sessions with topics such as leading with empathy and the DE&I impact on business growth. As a certified ISO psychological health and safety provider, she can develop new strategies for businesses to maintain and measure mental health safety. Kelly is mom to three young children and a self-described Gen X people first champion. KGHR Global is woman-owned is a woman-owned company that prioritizes leading with respect, empathy, and kindness, something we definitely need more of <laughs> in this world. Um, so for more information, visit their website at www.kennedyglobalhr.com or find them on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Like I mentioned, today is going to be a conversation all around psychological safety and how Each of us, whether we are managers or executives, each of us as everyday leaders, how can we start to build more psychological safety into our everyday lives, which includes the workplace and how we can be empowered to develop and cultivate that psychological safety every day and not wait for your executive team or for HR or for anyone else to give you that green light to start doing the things that is required for us to really build more inclusive, more collaborative, more truly productive teams by cultivating that psychological safety. Because I believe at the core of it, that is what's missing. And that's what is going to be the key to unlocking better communication, better collaboration, more inclusion, more safety so that people feel seen, people feel heard, people feel like they are empowered to bring their whole selves, including difficult days, difficult emotions, all of it, so that they feel safe to bring all of that to work and that we can all thrive together and build better workforces. So I hope you guys uh, enjoy the show today and welcome to the show. Welcome back to the In The Lead show. My name is Jennifer Sang and I am joined today by Kelly Palanti and Rachel Nelson. And we are going to have a conversation today around psychological safety and DE and I. So thank you both for joining me. Thanks so much, Jennifer. Yeah. And maybe we'll kick it off with you, Rachel, first. Why don't you tell the listeners who you are? Thank you so much for having us on the show. And um, I guess, Jen, my background is uh, about 25 years now in human resources and recruitment. Um, My passion is... um, really in the the psychological safety space, mental health, um, helping organizations um, build from the the startup um, and and grow their team in a way that's culturally appropriate um, and and helping those companies engage um, with with their clients in in a way that maximizes um, both the, the employee and the employer relationship. Great. Awesome. Thank you. And how about you, Kelly? 
Hi, thanks, Jen. Um, I am Kelly, and my name is Kelly Palanti. I'm the CEO of the U.S. Operations for Kennedy Global HR, partners with Rachel here. Um, similarly, um, I also have 20 years experience in HR. I primarily work with helping um, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and non-for-profits. Um, really establish HR departments and work on a lot of the problems that we face in today's workforce. Um, one of our focuses that have been the last year has been on career development, DEI, and mental health. Uh, we work uh, primarily with leaders to get these um, issues across. Uh, one of the things that we specialize in is on um, the ISO Psychological Health and Safety Certification. And I think that, um, just like Rachel mentioned, this is something that's important that businesses are looking for and that really need um, to be successful um, in this environment. Awesome. Well, it's lovely to meet both of you, and I'm excited about this conversation. So maybe to kick things off, I mean, you mentioned that psychological safety is really, really important. And I know we hear that a lot, especially in corporate America. We talk about that a lot. But what does it mean? So I'm curious... Either of you that want to jump in, like, what does psychological safety mean? I guess, Jen, um, for us, it means being in an environment where people are free to, well, they're, they're free and they're comfortable to say, I made a mistake or I disagree with that. I could be wrong. I have a concern or I have an idea or, hey, I actually just don't know. Um where they're free and they're comfortable to say that without fear of retaliation or any adverse action against them. So I guess that's the environment that um, we would say is a psychologically safe environment. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I always think of it as being able to bring my whole self. So being able yep. to bring whoever I am, whatever I'm feeling, whatever I'm thinking to the workplace without the fear of maybe retaliation or judgment or shame, but I heard kind of fear and also whole self. I don't know how that lands with you guys, but that's what kind of came up for me as you were describing that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you say your whole self, I mean, we are human, we have humanistic characteristics and we, we can't um, not bring those to the workplace. So, you know, it's, a psychologically safe workplace is to be able to bring your whole self and to know that that's okay to bring your whole self to work, whatever that looks like on that day. Yeah, I think on that day is important because <laughs> we are ever-changing beings and it could be changing on day to day. And I, I think that's one of the things that makes Rachel and I so successful is that, um, you know, in the past, we have lived under that um, kind of that fear of that being fear. that fear, honestly, of saying, hey, something's going on with the kids right now. I, I have to, you know, reschedule this meeting and kind of like coming up with an excuse, honestly, um, which, you know, is kind of stressful in itself um, to feel like you can't, you know, be honest um, for fear of, like you said, how you're going to be shamed later, um, how that reflects for you, um, even as particularly things like in performance reviews, et cetera. Those are kind of things that actually, you know, can be brought up to people. So I think mm -hmm. just, yeah, the, to be able to bring yourself um, to the workplace, you know, is so important. And Rachel, 
Rachel and I, that's one thing we want to establish, you know, for our company is really to role model this behavior that we're asking companies um, to lead inside their or organizations and really leading more with a, a, from a place of empathy. Yeah, definitely. And like Kelly just said, you know, both of us has, have experienced that fear mentality in the workplace, um, you know, not being comfortable or feeling okay enough to say, well, I disagree with that, or I challenge that, or, oh, my kids are sick, um, and not feeling valued for what you can contribute. So definitely when, when Kelly and I established the business, we wanted to make psychological safety a priority, and, and it's something that Kelly and I practice every day with each other, you know. I, I know I'm 100% comfortable saying to Kelly, oh, I don't really agree with that. Or what do you think about this? Or I actually don't know the answer to, to that question. Do you know? Um, and that's definitely the culture that we want our organization to have. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely hear it. It sounds like a passionate thing for both of you. And yeah. I, and something that's also important. And I agree. And I love that I hear you guys practice it daily. And one of the questions that came up for me as you guys were talking was, okay, we all know how important it is. And even there's studies that have been done. We talk about it a lot. It's written into our culture and values, but it's harder to implement. So what do you think gets in the way from people actually cultivating that psychological safety? I really believe like most things, um, like most change or most, most things that are going to be effective inside an organization come from leadership. And yeah. that starts with, if that's your board of directors, if that's your CEO, wh whoever leads that, they have to show that and it has to, they have to show vulnerability when they're doing it. And mm -hmm. only that way is it going to happen because I see a lot of these things try to be implemented um, by HR at the middle management level to try to push it down. This is something we want to do to attract, you know, for the employees, but a lot of the senior executives don't either participate or don't practice it themselves. And I think that is really important and that they actively are behind it. They say, listen, we're going to go out and have somebody help us do this and, and talk about it. Use the words psychological safety, make it more mm -hmm. ma mainstream because the more you talk about it, the more you'll feel safe, you know, approaching the subject in the workplace. Yeah, definitely agree with that, Kelly. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And um, I'm also curious about, so we talked about a couple of things about what you kind of notice when there is psychological safety. And I'm curious, like mm -hmm. what else, like if you were going into an organization, you said to yourself, wow, there's a lot of psychological safety here. What would be some of the things that you'd be seeing and feeling being in that presence? I think you would, you would, um, you would see the engagement. From the employees um, you would see thought generation you would see the creation of, of ideas and concepts um, probably a very lateral um, way of operating um, you know to you know it's not not such a hierarchical um, approach to it but everyone being encouraged to generate ideas and thoughts and um, being uh, encouraged 
to do that and um, valued for doing that as well. Um, you probably see higher retention rates in that organisation. Um, back back to sort of what Kelly was saying, um, it's very easy to write down that you value a person in, you know, your company values or that you're passionate about a person or, or your employees, but it's um, very different to actually doing it and living it. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. So it sounds like maybe even like a feedback culture would be important. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I also feel like when I try and picture psychological safety, what I see is kindness. I see a lot of people, like you said, collaborating, engaging, working together, but it just feels like maybe even like a lightness in the air. Like, you, cause you know how you can sense like when things are really tense or, you know, there's a lot of stress in the environment, but I don't know why to me, it just feels like it's just a kinder kind of safer. You could just feel it. Yeah. Um, and both Kelly and I in, in, in our careers, like I mentioned, have, have experienced that fear-based leadership. Um, and it's a terrible, terrible uh, way to um, run a company or run a brand. Um, so definitely leading with kindness is, oh. It's, 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 it's part of our core. Yeah, we talk yeah. about respect, empathy, and kindness. That's really, you know, what we want to lead with. And that's what the kind of clientele we, we hope to attract. So when we put those, those three words on our branding, um, we're telling, you know, people that we work with, this is what we prioritize. Um, when we recruit people into our organization, they're going to see Rachel and I talking about these three things. So they know this is, this is the company that actually lives what they're putting out there. Yeah. And, and, and for us to model that to our employees as well. So for them to, to see Kelly and I actually engaging in active collaboration and idea generation and, you know, positive disagreement on some topics, um, you know, to get to the outcome that we're both happy with. I think that that's how it needs to be modelled, um, you know, that we both can communicate and run a company with empathy, with kindness um, and with psychological safety. Yeah. I must feel like psychological safety is like a product of all of the practice and the work and the things that you're living every single day. It's not necessarily something you can just write down and oh, immediately, yeah. you know, see the value. It's almost like you need to put in the work and really do some of the hard things. Like you said, disagreeing productively is a big one. Having feedback, just mm -hmm. general kindness. And I don't know, for me, I'm just, I can be a little bit more sensitive. So I can always just sense like when I walk into a room, oh, like you can feel the tension or it feels light, you know, people are smiling, people are opening the doors for each other. You can just feel right. Like that safety and how it's cultivated just by even looking around and just kind of observing. And that's of course, when you feel that, that lightness, that's the kind of place you want to be. You want yeah. to be there. And who there's, there used to be a time when people didn't ever want to be at work. Work was a place that you wanted to escape from. You were there from eight to five and then you left and you hoped you didn't have to think about it after that. It's changing. It really is an integration of our life. 
Um, we get so much out of it. And I think the pandemic has really shown us that number one, we need this. We need to prioritize um, this in workplaces. Um, and two, people want it. They want it and they are going to prioritize that when they look at a company over um, sometimes compensation. Um, because as you know, how we feel every day um, affects so many things in our life, our health, um, you know, how we advance in our careers, how we interact with everyone around us. So um, I, I really believe this is um, it's one of those things, like I think you mentioned, it's been talked about a long time. It's been on people's pages of like, yes, we believe this, we're going to do this. And what if one of those other positive things that comes out of COVID is this, like now is the time we've got to take mm -hmm. it, take it seriously. Yeah. yeah, I feel like we've almost crossed this point where we can't return, which I'm actually kind of excited about because it's almost forced mm -hmm. the conversation. Right. And a lot of people are realizing like, Hey, like I deserve more feels just more empowering. Like people feel like, yeah, like maybe more people will make those decisions based on how does it feel? Right. What, what kind of psychological safety are they pr practicing in, within the work versus, you know, the dollars, the title, the, I think a lot of people are having kind of that mindset re reset where it's like, yeah, things are changing. And I want more out of life, right. Than just yeah. money. And, uh, yeah, it always feels like to me, like it's about ego. And I feel like sometimes that's where kind of the, we go off the rails a little bit is when we're living too much in that ego where it's driven by money, titles, power, mm -hmm. anytime there's silos in an mm -hmm. organization, you can definitely sense that. Wow. And I, and I've seen it. I mean, I've actually seen it firsthand where people come into a team and they're like, wow, I can just sense like the silos that are happening. And then what does that do to psychological safety? I mean, it must just tear it right down. Yeah, um, but it's all, all, also um, not productive for the organization either, because then they're, they're not comfortable to share their ideas or they're not bringing their whole self to work that day. Mm -hmm. um, I know Adam Grant talks about a culture of toxic positivity where everyone's encouraged to be happy and everything's great and everything's That's not, not life. great. <laughs> That's not life. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's okay to not have an okay day. Um, and you're not going to be your most productive and, and your whole self if, yeah, if you're not having an okay day. So let's yeah, make it okay to say I'm not okay. <laughs> yeah. And I think the more we do that, I think it, it becomes easier, but I, I think you're right with COVID, even, you know, how we're all forced to kind of either work where we live or live where we work. Um, mm -hmm. There weren't a lot of boundaries. So you saw a lot of that, right? You saw yeah. the kids, the animals, the chaos, the, and we all kind of just were kind of forced to kind of be more vulnerable and exposed in that way where it's like, Hey, here's what's really going on behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. Like this is what I'm dealing with. And that was There's actually no hiding. The, right No. <laughs> so that was one of kind of the bright spots I thought of the pandemic is if there was something chaotic going in the background, I'm like, it's totally fine. Like that's life. It's yeah. all good. Take a minute. I mean, but yeah, at work. Sometimes I feel like we have to be like perfect. We have to look perfect, act perfect, say the right things. Maria yeah, in the pandemic, it was like, 
we ain't got time for that. We're just trying to survive. Right. So yeah, yeah, I think that was a great, you know, and this might be a good segue into DE and I, so how do you feel like psychological safety impacts DE and I? Well, I'm going to say they go hand in hand. You, you definitely um, really can't have one without the other and definitely um, psychological safety promotes um, DNI. Um, because like we just have said, you know, a couple of times over, when you bring your authentic self, that's what diversity is. That's when you, mm-hmm. when you come to work as your, you know, yourself. So um, they go hand in hand. And then of course, I really think they support um, uh, women and minorities inside organizations. I feel like that's what psychological safety does. Mm. And when you, when you allow those voices to, to, like we said, to be more collaborative, to be more innovative, um, that promotes, you know, diversity inside the organization. And just like we were talking about, like, what's going to attract um, people to companies, um, this to me is a big attractive uh, tool, a big like, attractive tool and a big, um, going to be a competitive tool for companies to say, hey, we practice psychological safety here. Um, mm-hmm. I think that will really help them um, when they're doing DNI or, or DNI uh, recruiting. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think in any company that takes uh, DNI seriously, they take mental health seriously as well. Um, so, like Kelly said, it, it does go hand in hand. I, I, I really don't think you can have one without the other. If if you're truly saying that you value diversity, equity, and inclusion and psychological safety and mental health, I think that they're just so intertwined. Um, it's definitely something that Kelly and I are so passionate about. And, and you know, we're working, um, we're working with Equally Yours and uh, developing talent on uh, the gamification um of D and I um that sort of gamification education with that um so I really think it's it's something that companies need to really look at as you know financial compensation is not going to give them a competitive edge anymore it's just not things are different (laughs) I think during the pandemic um like you said Jen People saw what is going on in the background of people's lives. All the plates that people are spinning suddenly became very visible. Um, And we need to make sure that, you know, our employees feel that it's okay if they drop a plate. Yeah. 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 And what was coming up for me as you were talking is, DE&I, as well as psychological safety, as as well as mental health in general, reminds me of at the core, I believe people just want to belong. And I know that belonging is a very, you know, it's kind of another buzzword that's used a lot. But when you think about it, it's a fundamental human need that we all have to want to belong. And now, again, that's different than fitting in, right? We're not changing ourselves to fit in with whatever culture is there, but it's almost like the culture is shaped by us. And we, when we belong, we can bring our whole selves to work. That culture can look a lot different than maybe even what we wrote down on our value statement, but it's almost like something that feels like it's evolving. Like you said, because every day 
we come with something different and people are coming in and out of the organization. So it almost feels like it's a living, breathing thing, but it feels like at the core, it's that sense of belonging that people come into mm. work and they feel like, okay, I belong here. I don't feel like left out or like I don't fit in in some way, but I'm just, I really, we all just belong and we're all a part of the same thing. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, it, here in Australia, it, it's actually forming part of um, workplace health and safety legislation. So mm. just as um, organisations need to have risk management plans for physical hazards, um, they now have to have risk management plans for psychological hazards in the workplace. And the fines and the penalties for impacts to employees um, for those employers that are not aware and managing psychological safety risks in the workplace uh, are right up there, if not the same as the fines and, and penalties, including jail time, um, for physical hazards. So it's a very, very uh, important discussion that needs to be had. Yeah. So the the uh, certification I mentioned that we have is the ISO, and that is you know the international organization standard. And so they have this new psychological safety um, standard underneath occupational health. So they've recognized like, listen, this is this is a part of OC health. This is something that you have to look at as just like physical health now, and you yeah. should be held um, to the same standards. Um, but yeah, when you think about all the mental health challenges that we normally have dealt with in the workplace, and now with the pandemic on top of it, the challenges that go with remote, remote and all of our new ways of, of working, um, it's just really, it's so paramount right now to, to make it a priority. Yeah. And it sounds like you're putting your money where your mouth is too, so to speak, because you're actually doing, you're, you're being it. it. It feels like more to me. If you're putting that kind of regulation and scrutiny on something, it, it, it sends a signal to people like, Hey, this is important versus, you know, a lot of times we just kind of say it on, you know, a piece of paper and just say, Oh, here's something that yeah. means something to us, but we're really not living it breathing it and sometimes holding people accountable to how they're treating one another and how important that is. Um, yeah. So that's, that's good to hear. Um, we'll exactly. pray one day we have something similar in the U S but I don't know. Um, <laughs> but Kelly and but, I have uh, just done the ISO certification um, mm -hmm. and um, I undertook the course to become a mental health first aid officer. So you know, for us, it's not just something written on our value statement, you know, that we value people, we're, we're passionate uh, for our employees. We're, we're doing it, we're living it, we're breathing it. I've come to Kelly and said, I, I just can't, I can't work today. I just can't. Mm -hmm. And I can tell her why. I know, I know I can be my authentic self completely with Kelly. And that's, as we said, that's how we want all of our employees to operate. We, we don't want someone coming into work if, you know, they've just had one of the worst days of their life. We don't want that. You know, mm -hmm. we, we want to be able to um, really partner with our employees and, and letting them know that we value them as people, not just 
as contributors to our organization. I think what you just said, though, Jen, really highlights um, the value of diversity, even with us. So, you know, we're both women, we're both moms, uh, we're both HR professionals, we both, we have a lot of similarities, but we, obviously one of our big, you know, differences is we have, live in different countries. And so, like we just mentioned, you know, they're, they're, they have mental health officers. That's an advantage for, for us to bring to employers here to the U.S. Um, I really do believe that. And this is something that I've practiced really state to state. As you know, certain states have very a little more conservative, uh, more laws, uh, and others really have more laws that are more, you know, progressive and help along a lot of these DNI efforts. And so a lot of times you can take those and replicate those, even though it's not mandatory for you. So I kind of look at this on that bigger scale. It's like, even though we're not required to do that here, let's look at what Australia is doing. Um, that's part of diversity, right? Is that we're getting this other perspective that this other viewpoint that we would normally not have. Yeah. yeah. And I guess that, that's such a point of difference for us as an organisation because we do have that, that global overview. So we, we are looking at it from a global perspective and what's happening around the world in this space. That's awesome. No, that's really awesome. Um, and, you know, one of the things that popped into my mind while you guys were talking, because I'm just so curious your thoughts, was let's say within a, an organisation, there's a really toxic narcissist on the team that you can, I mean, everyone knows, right. When they see that person, right. Where you're like, Oh gosh, like, and obviously for obvious reasons that completely erodes psychological safety, what are some things you think an organization or maybe a leader could do if they do have a report that is just really toxic and negative and narcissistic? What are some things you think that manager can do to help not only hold again people accountable, so that so someone who's you know being very power hungry and asserting their ego, like what are some things they can do to kind of hold those people accountable accountable to that culture and that idea of psychological safety? This one is is kind of difficult um, to to kind of say offhand. It's one of those ones I hate to like to to brush it off. Like it's so you know particular to the situation in person. But mm. the leader who is going to be doing this act, who basically is going to be dealing with this person, what we would need to know is where are they at? What is their skill set? Mm. Mm and like inside the organization because um that manager can't confidently uh, hold up the skill set to do so and then again they're not backed up um by by leadership and, and executives to do that as well um if they have all those components if they have the skill set if they have um the support from leadership um then they have to hold this person to the to, to the fire for sure. Um, I would say it has to be, there is no way around it or else again, you're eroding the whole company and one person, as you know, can make the entire environment feel safe. Uh, mm -hmm. I know it's an HR person. We probably see it as yourself, but one person can make 10 people leave a company, 10 oh, great yeah. people leave a company. Oh, yeah. um, which is sometimes heartbreaking as an HR person because you just want to like reach your hands out to them and say, I want in. And a lot of times it's because your hands are tied. You can't change because you don't have the support from, from leadership to make the change. And yeah. so that's, it's, it's not an easy answer. 
I know it, it, it isn't an easy answer. Maybe it was a bit of a curveball, just because I have some thoughts rolling in my head of my own experiences. Um, but you know, what I heard in that though, is also, it takes a lot of courage to Mm. build that psychological safety because sometimes it's not easy, right? Like I have a really great example of recently something happened in my workplace where we were holding a really large meeting and some people were saying things that were inappropriate and negative. And one of the senior executives was like, no, like I see you on, you know, the little chat and I see what you're posting. Like that is not acceptable and said it out loud in front of everybody. And sometimes I feel like that's missing. Like, I feel like we all want to be so nice to each other and we just want to, maybe that goes into the toxic positivity you were talking about earlier, but it's just, we all want to be so like, oh, well, that's okay. We'll just really try and bring them along. Well, sometimes I feel like you need to be like, no, like that is not acceptable. And people need to see that because otherwise they just feel like, oh, they're just going to do whatever they want. They're going to say whatever they want and nothing's ever going to happen. Like sometimes I feel like you need that courage. Yeah. As you know, Jen, D&I is not a new topic. It's an old topic. We've been talking about this for 20 to 25 years. And I feel like that kind of nicey, nice approach has not worked. And that's really what's been happened. They've tried to use policy. They've tried to say, okay, we're going to get training and do this. And then there's no follow-up. There's no measurement. Um, It's like, it's a lot of talk and not a lot of walk, I feel like, honestly. Um, And it's because it's hard, right? Sometimes it's hard to really be that person to stand up and put a stake in the sand say, no, like, you know, it almost reminds me of parenting sometimes, right? It's like, You have to sometimes be tough. Sometimes, you know, maybe you're a little bit more lenient and you have more positive conversations, but sometimes you can't just let your kids stay up all night and go, okay, well, honey, we'll talk about that. I mean, no, you got to go to bed. Like, I mean, sometimes I feel like that's just what's needed. And I personally just wish I would see more of that, that adds at least to my psychological safety, feeling like there's some accountability for Mm -hmm. how we act. And I guess that that's the position that Kelly and I have come from as well, going back to that fear leadership. And when you have said, you know, how you spoke to me, that that wasn't acceptable or how you spoke to me or how you treated me in this situation, you know, made me feel uncomfortable. And when that's not acknowledged, then Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you're going to lose great people. So it's to your your detriment. And, you know, Kelly and I both have left organisations where that has happened. And, you know, that's that's why um, I guess our, our background has made us so passionate about driving this, um, this conversation. Yeah. I would awesome. say, Jen, I, what I would advise leaders to do is just if you can let people know that you lead with good intention. That is, I think, a big key thing. And so if you do say something that might be considered, you know, everyone's kind of construed things. Some people like to be very talked to, very straightforward to. Some people like a side approach. But if you know that the person who's speaking to you is coming from you from a good place, that these are their values, um, it's received a lot differently. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good reminder, too, because it's not always a one-size-fits-all approach. Um, everybody's different. That's again, the great thing about kind of building that psychological safety and us bringing ourselves is that we're all different and that's the beauty of it, but it can be trickier to kind of Mm. manage people more individually and having more of that personalized 
kind of experience with somebody versus just having blanket, you know, policies or, you know, value statements that just don't seem as effective to me. Um, no, it's great. So what are some of the things you guys would recommend organizations and teams do to build, start building psychological safety? Have the conversations, be open um, in having those conversations. Um, like Kelly said, um, you know, we can offer the, the mental health first aid off, officer program, um, looking at psychological risk management plans, you know, actively showing that psychological safety is important to you as an organization. I would say that is big. Just, it, it seems simple just to start using the word psychological mm. safety and bringing them up in meetings and team meetings. Um, even if you're putting up a slide and saying, this is psychological safety, this is the definition. We need to start mm. Sometimes with the basics, like what is it? What is the exact definition? What do we mean by that? Um, I mentioned, I talked to Rachel a lot that, and you know, in the US here, we talk mainly about mental health. We don't, we're just now, I feel like breaking into the space where psychological safety is becoming a term that, that we even use um, in, in our everyday you know, speech here. And the reason why I like I really like the transition from one to the other is mental health often focuses on the individual and it focuses on like EAP plans and, you know, really helping mm. to support a person. And while that is definitely part of it, uh, a psychological safety plan, it is just part of it. Yeah. Um, it is just one component. And I feel like sometimes, again, companies feel like they say, well, we, we have mental health counselors. We've got this 1-800 line. We did our thing. Check. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we did mental health. We've, we've got that off the list. And that's just really one component. Yeah. And, and here in Australia, that, that's just not going to cut it anymore. You know, we need to have um, those risk management plans done. We need to have these conversations being actively had in the workplace and, and modelled as well. So, you know, that's why I'm so excited to talk to you today, Jen, because um, it's getting the word out there how important this is. Yeah. 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 I can definitely tell it's important for both of you. And that's really awesome. And I couldn't agree more that I feel like there is that shift happening. It feels like it, it's shifting from not only just kind of the the individualized kind of um, approach to more of the collective, right? And knowing yeah. that we are all a part of this team, organization, company, we're all in it together and we all need to operate mm. too together in a way that leaves us more whole. I almost feel like we need to have both operating really, really well. And I love how you said it feels like a check mark because that's how I always refer to it. It feels like, oh, this is what we're supposed to do. Check, we're done. Or maybe we'll do a Did few that, things, but yeah, yeah mm -hmm. I just feel because I, I don't know. I mean, my personal opinion is it just feels like it's really hard for people to like talk about feelings and be vulnerable. And the more that we can remove that stigma and the more of us, even just in a day-to-day -day capacity, start showing that vulnerability, I feel like it gives other people the safety to step into their own vulnerability. And mm -hmm. I think those are things that like individuals can do on a daily basis when they say, how can I impact psychological safety? You don't have to wait for your leadership or the CEO to 
come out with some kind of a plan, start living it every day. Start being vulnerable yourself and supporting your peers and those around you and start building it. Cause I almost feel like it's like a top down and a bottom up approach. Like we need this, like this intersection between the two where we're doing a lot of the good stuff from the top and they're being accountable and really um, setting the tone. But what can we do also as everyday people to help kind of elevate that psychological safety and provide it for one another? Definitely agree. Like you said, it's a collective. So it, that, that relies on each individual to put, to do their part. And so the more they can support someone and then let somebody know how they supported someone, um, that is, that's right there is creating psychological safety saying, I, I did this for someone else. And then someone might say, oh, I could do that. Or I could do something similar. I didn't know it was okay to give that kind of help. I didn't know it was okay to reach out, you know, in that kind of way. Um, so it's almost just like, as we've talked a lot of times of storytelling, sharing, um, how you, how you can help others and things you do to help others. Yeah. I feel like we're all in this together again, COVID really brought that front and center, right? Like we're all in it together. We impact each other and even small things you do every day can make an impact. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Um, so we're winding down in the time, but I wanted to give each of you the floor for any closing thoughts or um, remarks on the topic of psychological safety. So Rachel, I don't know if you want to go first and. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, I, I guess, um, you know, you mentioned Jen about being vulnerable and talking about feelings, um, but it's also important to talk about psychological safety in the fact of how it benefits the organization in that um, idea generation and pe- people feeling comfortable enough to um, share their thoughts, their ideas, their concepts with each other. Um, I think it was Google who, who ran an experiment um, looking at, uh, you know, what made different teams successful. And they came across that some of the most successful teams were the teams that really had that encouragement of thought generation and ideas and creativity. So not just, um, you know, recognizing um, psychological safety in the sense that, um, you know, people's emotions and, and what the, where they're at on that particular day, but also encouraging that um, fearless organization as, Amy Edmondson puts it um, to create that fearless organization where you can come and you can be what do you think about this how does this work you know I'm not sure about this what do you think about this so it's a really positive area um, of the workplace that you know um, let's look at it as a positive for organizations and employees as a whole Um, So definitely, I would encourage um, organisations to look at perhaps engaging a mental health first aid officer or um, doing psychological risk um, safety management plans and, you know, being at the forefront, but having that competitive edge, um, especially in the US, um, where we're talking about this. So it's such an exciting space. Um, and it's only going to, um, the conversation's only going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would agree. And you know, one thing I heard in all of that, that was a great reminder to me is I heard also in their curiosity and how important having kind of a curiosity mindset helps all of this, because if we can be curious and we can be open, then things like innovation can live, right? Things like feedback, things like vulnerability, things like empowerment and confidence. I mean, all of these things for me just feel very rooted. What I was hearing from you is like having that curiosity and Mm -hmm. that fearlessness around curiosity and how important that is. So you're right. It's more than just mental health and, um, you know, those things. I think it's actually a pretty broad topic. Yeah. Yeah. I would just play back to something um, that you both said actually earlier when you mentioned silos, Jen, and then Rachel mentioned the the lateral um, approach. And I think that's really what's going to be key change in organizations. Um, This corporate, the corporate world has been typically very uh, masculine. And that's why a lot of these things, uh, that's why we don't, I hate to say we don't talk about emotions, right? Because we put on this um, uh, face of strength, of impenetrability, of, re- of resilience, um, nothing, nothing harms us, nothing changes, you know, of course, we're expected to be there no matter what is going on in the background. Um, you used to hear a lot of times you leave your home life at the door when you walk in the front door, um, which I used to think was like so interesting. Like, how do you do that? You just take your, you know, how, do you, mm-hmm. <laughs> how does that work? Um, but that was the mindset, right? Is that you leave everything at home um, and you just, when you come to work now, you're your work self. And I think that is one of the key changes that's going to happen here um, post pandemic is that we are going to change that structure. We're going to change the way um, we collaborate um, because we can see um, that this need for psychological safety is, I, I said, we just can't you know, stress it enough um, during, during this environment. We've all gone through so many changes um, and actually was speaking about what you said about, you know, things coming into the background and all of our life coming in. Um, if you recall, like one of the early viral videos was, yes. I think it was a newscaster, his yes. little one like ran in yeah. and, and the, the wife came and pulled him out. That was a great moment. He got that. Yeah. He, that was wonderful. And that was unscripted. That was real life. That wasn't perfect. And I think that to me is like a capsule of an example of what a uh, good psychological safety is. Yeah. He, was, he was his whole true self there. And it turned out to be a positive thing. People connected with him. They looked at him and said, that's me. That's, that's mm-hmm. what I'm like. And I, um, I think we're going to see a lot more of that vulnerability out there. Yeah, I look forward to it. And as you were saying that about, you know, how do I leave part of me at home, I was thinking back to Susan David, who's an emotions researcher, talks about how it's like asking someone to cut off their arm and leave it at home and only come in with your left arm. I mean, how do you, how can you do that? And then ask everybody, Hey, let's all be vulnerable or let's bring our whole selves. Well, left a part of my body at home. Like how can I can't be a whole person, but you're right. And I think it gets uncomfortable, but another great thing I think that came out of the pandemic was that you're kind of forced to kind of be in this situation where we had to be vulnerable. There was no, not a lot of other options. So no options, right? It's, I think it was a really good thing. Um, well, I appreciate both of you, um, Rachel and Kelly. Thank you so much for joining the show today and talking about psychological safety and learning more about both of you. So thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Jen.
And if anybody wants to learn more about us and psychological safety and mental health officers, you can find us on our website, um, Kennedy Global HR, then of course on the socials. Thanks awesome. so much. Thank you. Thanks, Jen.